Welcome to Dr. D's Unplugged podcast, insightful conversations on people, politics, and planetary topics to better understand our complex world. My name is Dr. Derek Watson, Associate Professor at the University of Sunderland, Faculty of Business, Law and Tourism. My guest today to launch our first podcast at the University of Sunderland Business School can be considered a giant redwood, or should I say maple leaf, for the reasons that I will make very clear as we move along the podcast within the challenging sector of food safety on a global context. With over 30 years of applied practice, Gordon Hayburn's reputation as a change maker has influenced organisational and people performance well beyond the shores of the UK. We're delighted to have Gordon in our seat today to share his wisdom on leadership, management, people's behaviour and in making people around him feel so much better for meeting Gordon. Gordon, thank you very much for attending our first faculty podcast. You're, you're too kind. Thank you for being, well, thank you for the invitation and that very glowing um, introduction. And it's also, when you hear it, you just think, who are they talking about? You always feel a little bit of an imposter. Uh, so it's very kind of you to say that, and I'm looking forward to this chat. Well, I'm going to go back to Maple Leaf. Now, I know you're in Canada. I know you're in Ontario. What time is it in Canada, Ontario, as we speak? And as we speak, it's just gone six o'clock in the morning. Okay. So I guess Canada's, sorry, but Canada's also interesting. Canada's one of these weird countries. So Canada has five or six time zones. So in some parts of Canada, it's probably eight, nine, 30 in the morning. In some parts, it's like two in the morning. So it's quite an interesting country. And that's also important when you're working um, across the country. I, I, I look after several sites, so it's interesting. So time zones play a big part, but it's something I never thought about growing up. I just used to wake up, have a shower and get to work. So now it's all quite different. Well, that's one thing I've known um, since our friendship, um, how hard you work and all the different projects. But what I want to do is I want to twist that clock back um, <laughs> several years, back to your schooling experience, Gordon. And okay. whilst it's school, can you reflect on which teacher or teachers had the biggest influence on you? There were a couple. So the first thing I guess I should add that um, uh, I grew up and spent a lot of my time growing up in West Africa. My father was a civil engineer and I grew up in Liberia, West Africa. So I'm going to, and that, since that's where I did most of my schooling before I came to the UK, we picked two teachers there. One sadly passed, um, Mrs. Uh, Miss Penny Cattell. And another who's very much alive and in, in contact with, and this is Bobby Milton. Um, uh, Penny Cattell was a brilliant that they had. The way the schools worked in Liberia, where, where we were, um, because it was an international school, we had some classes that were taught against the vernacular and the curriculum that were being used in the UK. And, and Miss Cattell was just a very good teacher. Um, I just liked her. My younger brother didn't like her, of course, because he was always in trouble. Uh, so it was no reflection on her. Um, and, and it was interesting because in that kind of community, um, everybody was friends. So she was also a visitor to her house, but she was just lovely, um, encouraged me to read a lot. Um, so that was great. And then Miss Bobby Milton, Miss um, Milton was um, an inordinately um, talented teacher, uh, very glamorous as well. I used to watch her and think, how you know, like growing up, your teachers never looked quite that glamorous. And, and she, was like a, she was like a model. And actually, she still is. She's a very beautiful lady. Um, but again, another lady who made education fun, the learning process was fun, good discussions was always open to to, to you bringing your ideas forward. I think that's about education, um, working with educators that are 
that allow you the opportunity to share and don't put you down when you have um, ideas that may not be quite right, but just allow you to develop. So I'm going to put a single list throughout Miss Cattell and, and, and Miss Bobby Mill. I think it also raises the important role teachers have on influencing us as we move through our life. And some off-the-cuff comments, we can th those comments can rest with us throughout our careers. Um, so, you know, in the teaching profession, I'm always mindful of what we say to our students. But my next question is, Gordon, your first job, first job was in fast food retailing um, with a company called Spud You Like. Was that a planned, was that a planned career move or was it by chance? Well, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone had a planned career that involved baked potatoes. So I'm going to say it was actually, it was um, an opportunistic job. What happened, Derek? I, I graduated from Glasgow College for Technology. I studied food technology. But I just needed a job. I need money, as, as you do. And that job happened to be there. And so you, know, you go to the job centre at the time. I don't even know if they still exist now. Um, you went to the job centre and you said, well, I've graduated from technology and the best they come up with was working in a fast food restaurant. I think that shows the level of um, knowledge that many people in those roles have. But nonetheless, I, I did it. Um, so it wasn't planned, but I loved it. And what happened was I very quickly got promoted to be a manager. Um, not that I had a ton of management experience because I didn't, uh, but what was happening was um, a lot of people were uh, unreliable and, and in a way untrustworthy. Um, and what happened was they kept getting sacked and you know, after about six months, I was the, I was the person who had been there the longest and, and the owners told me, they said, you know, you have, you're honest and, and you have a good work ethic and we can teach you all the other stuff. So, so I actually got into management and management of people really early um, after graduating. And, and it's something that I have, I, I appreciate now because I've had some good managers and some bad managers. And, and I look back and think, yeah, I, I was probably not a good manager at the time, but I was at least willing to learn. So yeah, not a planned career, but something that stood me in good stead in terms of people management as, as I moved through my career. Well, that bit at the end, people management as you move through your career is a key point that I want to sort of like tease out. The various food organisations that you've worked with, Gordon, how has that influenced you as a manager? That's another. So that's another great question. So I think the the ethics and the values of the business. I think it depends on how senior you are in a company. I, I'll put that there to start. So if you are, you know, not overly senior, you are coming in, you're coming into the lab or coming into the production line. You're doing your job. You don't necessarily always see and feel the leadership, and, and it's a word we're going to touch on, not necessarily a favourite word to mind, but you don't really feel the, the culture at that point, um, or at least you can't influence it. What happens is, uh, as you get more responsibility, um, you then get to feel the values of the company, and, and that's really important. It, it's way more important than I thought um, when I started working and, and, and we're all in that boat. It's about a job, it's about getting money, it's about a pay to take home, it's about money to spend if you're young, um, going out on the weekend and, and so on. Um, so but as you as you grow, then the, the values of the company do become more important to you and the management and the leadership and, and how they value people. And I'm going to just say that um, people are by far and away the most important part of any company. And I said, and I've worked for many now, and, and it's still my point. 
And I think those where they show that they value the people and they appreciate them. And even small gestures, um, they probably have no idea how they actually land giving someone a small gift card or a thank you or some product to take home. So I think valuing people is probably the lesson that I've learned consistently through all the roles I've had. What I want to do is still stay with the food sector. Do you feel as though with with your 30 years of um, working within the food sector, do you feel as though now in 2023, the food sector has finally got its grip on food safety culture? Um, no, is the answer. Um, I don't think it's got a complete grip on it. What I do think is we continue to get better. And and I would say that, and, and, and I think we can take this to other sectors. I think some other sectors of manufacturing, automotive, aerospace, they had quality management systems as a key component long time ago. You can go back to the, you can go back to the very early 90s, even late 80s, uh, when BS5, 7, and then the whole ISO stuff came in. So things like um, pharmacy, pharmacology, they had something. I think food lagged a little bit behind. Um, so what I think is that it's starting to catch up and we start to understand the importance of not just food safety culture. And I think we, we need to make sure that we don't try and pigeonhole that. Um, I think culture is just, you know, it's about your values as a company. This is just who we are. And food safety is certainly one of those things. And I think I can I can probably um, still a little bit. A lot of companies I've gone to, they'll say we have all these objectives, performance objectives, dealing with complaints, closing out, whatever the objectives are. And a lot of companies will say, oh yeah, and we have these food safety objectives. And and I don't like that because I don't think food safety should be an objective. I think it's a core value. And I think that's where we're seeing the shift. So I think the industry is starting to recognize that food safety is a key component of their whole business and it's part of their culture. So I think that the more we can merge food safety into the other beliefs and values of a company, the better we will continue to be. So are we there yet? Absolutely not. Are we so much better than we were when I joined the industry? Absolutely. And, and I commend all the people that are helping push it forward. Okay. Thank you, thank you for that, Gordon. Looking at your resume, which you kindly emailed over <laughs> all, the way from, all the way from Canada, what I found intriguing is that you quickly worked your way up the hierarchy to senior management. And then, this is my question. The key question I have is, Having acquired that senior position, and I take it with a healthy salary with it and various benefits, you decided to step into the insecure, insecure world of consultancy and sometimes the world of academia. Why did you put your feet into those different arenas? So, so again, thank you for that very kind thing. I probably did um, evolve into some important roles relatively quickly and so let me just say this to, to the people who will uh, be listening to this i think that's about taking opportunities so uh and it's, i'm not just saying i'm work ethic and i'm not one of these uh, uh, old people that moan about younger generations i love uh, the younger generations they are the youth of today um and i'd like to know what the you know the bands are and the right thing to do and the styles i love it i think we we just need to recognize that but what i would say is when opportunities present themselves, take them. You know, so if someone is looking for someone to to manage or, or, or stay a couple of hours to, to lead a shift or, or part of a shift, t 
take that. You'll learn from that. If they need someone to, to help out on a project, um, I know it's over and above your workload and, and it shouldn't be for free, but that but you should you can consider this also part of the investment in, in your own um, career. So I think I took my opportunities uh, well and, and that was useful. And then you're right. So, and then in the, if we go back to, I guess, in my, my resume, somewhere around 1996, the consultancy was something I, I did because of personal reasons and, and not to bring everyone down. My partner at that time was terminally ill and, and sadly passed. Um, and I, I gave up my full-time job in order to look after my part. And I was very lucky and going back to having had that ethic, the companies I had worked for. Uh, realized the situation and they offered me some part-time consultancy work so it was again I got I'm not going to say lucky because because luck plays a part of it um, but I think I, I probably reaped the rewards of that so that was how I got into that and then after a couple of years of doing that I decided it was time to get a full-time job um, but I knew that I wanted to change um, long story short I saw a job advertised for a senior lecturer at the University of Wales Institute Cardiff uh, living out Cardiff Met um, and again, maybe my ignorance or maybe my um, complete lack of self-awareness, I don't know. I thought I could probably do that, you know. I had been to a couple of universities by this point. Um, and I thought, yeah, I, I fancy that um, because one of the things that I felt I didn't always get as a student was a lot of good practical knowledge. Right? How will I apply this? And I thought, even if I don't necessarily have a PhD or, or that type of background, um, I do have the hands-on. So I ended up at UIC and I ended up there for, for 10 years and it was fantastic. Um, and, and I'm still in contact with a lot of the students, the undergrads and postgrads. And, and I got to do a lot of research and, and um, you know, some publications and, and, and we'll come on to regrets in a moment. And ask me uh, after I, I give you this answer. Um, but I had a, you know, a good research profile. I had a consultancy profile. And, and actually, um, but my favorite and my favorite still is um, working with students and uh, in teaching knowledge sharing. So, yeah, so it was just a, it was a natural evolution. It was a, it was a moment in time and it was, again, an opportunity that I thought, just take this opportunity. So it's, it's about being adaptable. The issue that you raised there about practical knowledge, um, I'm pleased to reassure you that certainly um, the golden thread running through our programs is very much one of practical employability exposure day one week one of all the programs going across the university and i'm actually conducting this podcast within our media school um sitting opposite um a, col a, a colleague megan who um is getting first-hand experience um or providing me with, with first-hand experience but here's the question here's the question with uh, I'm, i don't want to leave education yet if you had a message to send to the key decision makers in higher education, from your experience, what would you recommend that they change? So obviously, I'm never going to get another job in higher education after you after I answer this. No, I think that I think what we do need is that mix of the academic knowledge is absolutely crucial. You, you do need so let's take a field like food safety. Uh, so you would need an understanding of um, how the food performs, the the attributes of the food that make it safe pH and water activity and that will mean stuff to different people uh, um, and then you know the microbiology which organisms of concern matter so, so it's crucial that you get that, that, that knowledge that science and that comes purely from teaching okay and, and that uh, and that's really important but what 
I want to see more of, and I'm glad you're telling me this, I want to see more work and more projects like to apply this knowledge um, in my workplace. And and when I when I was at UIC, um and certainly in, in towards the final years of you know of, of the program for students, sort of the year three or, or the like the final component of their master's program, when I was setting exam papers, I I never asked for for recall. I, I gave scenarios uh, and I said you know you're in a factory or you're in a lab and this happens and you get this result or that type of thing. What do you do? Why is it important? How would you deal with it? Because because as as a as a then an employer, which I now am, um, that's what I want to buy. Okay, so I I can see any number of graduates who who graduate very highly, and and, and congratulations, it's really important. So please please don't take this as as any type of negative. But it's about how do you take that and 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 apply it. So what I want to see more of, continue to see more of, is graduates being and I apologise this one, but graduates being produced actually can add some value fairly quickly once they start working. Um, there are still some programs, and, and, and I see some, where I will get graduate supply to come work uh, with me, but I have to invest so much more money in training the skills needed for, for my roles and, and where I need them, that I don't know that there's value in that. And, and there's, of course, Quite rightly, there's an expectation from the graduate that there's a salary band that they should attract because they graduated. But I will then think, but you don't necessarily have the core skills that I can with industry. Um, and, and, and reason, I, I touched on regret, so, so let me give you that. I don't know if it's the same now all over the world, but certainly um, here for some of the universities in, in Canada and uh, North America, you cannot get a teaching post uh, without a PhD. And, and, and that's fair enough, I guess, except I would say that there is no one um, who would be any better in terms of food safety application in real life than myself. And actually, that's my one regret. I did a lot of research that could have actually had a PhD, um, but it, it just didn't drive me. Um, I published a lot when I was in Newark, and I actually published um, some stuff for the Food Standards Agency that was influential in changing legislation. So my regret is probably I should have taken a PhD. That's only because I'm a bit miserable that I can't get, um, I can't get use my knowledge um, at the universities here if they have that PhD requirement. So I think value all of it, value the academic knowledge, absolutely, but don't not value the hands-on and, you know, the people who have been there and done that and got the t-shirt because I think it's that combination that makes them feel a little more comfortable when they go into these roles because they know that they, they have um, had some experience and exposure to both parts of that, that, that continuum. So that would be my talk. Value all at ball attributes and ball skills. You put a very strong case forward there, Gordon. A very strong case indeed. And I, t I totally agree with you. Jumping back to your CV, your resume, and tying in with one of your many mantras, and I'm going to use one of your mantras, Gordon. Never say never. <laughs> um, and, and stand by your word. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to raise the issue which you identified on your resume, um, your work with BBC One, The One Show, Channel Channel 4, and also your vast radio uh, presence that people draw on your expertise and share it amongst the community of practice on a truly go global scale. So what was your experience of The One Show and Channel 4? So what happened was, again, um, so this all started, uh, let's go back a little bit to that, 
um, being the University of Wales, Radio Wales, and that type of thing. As you know, and they still do um, these lovely um, radio shows that, of course, as you get older, you switch radios, um, you switch your stations to match your age. But they would often run a feature, you know, um, magazine-type articles. And we were uh, we were just around the corner from the BBC World Studio. And they would often reach out and just say, can, you know, we have this piece of news breaking, that type of thing. So because I, I had some exposure um, to the industry and and that type of thing, um, I often got, and I was going to say get dragged into it, but actually I wasn't dragged into it. I loved it. Um, so I, I often volunteered, in fact. I'm going to put that out there. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I said, I'd, I'd love to do that. Accent is a little bit different. So, so the whole thing works. So we would talk about, you know, is organic food better than non-organic food and, and all of these kind of things. And then, of course, what happens is the, the radio and TV producers all can know each other and you get picked up. So I did this. I did something for the one show with them. I can't remember. Or my apologies. Dominic Little John was one of the presenters and another one. We actually went to his house. He's a lovely house, by the way, at the time. Um, and I watched them cook the Christmas turkey. But what I had done is I had actually contaminated, using this one, the turkey with a glow-in-the-dark gel that um, they were unaware of. And then afterwards, we put the blue light up and just see the mess. So, so that was about how not to kill yourself making Christmas dinner. That, that was fun. Um, and then I did some stuff featured for uh, the F word on what's in a sausage. Um, because that was a discussion we'd had. On, it was a throwaway line. And, and, and I said um, that they were talking about um, someone did a feature on, oh my God, you know, in a sausage, there's that and there's some different cuts of meat and some of the cheaper cuts of meat. And I said, of course there is. At that point, one of my hobbies, um, it's not actually on my, my resume, but one of my hobbies is I used to, I still actually do, show and judge dogs. So I had dogs and I would say to Sonia that if you buy, and, and there are other brands available, so please don't think I'm endorsing it, but if you buy a tin of a dog food like a pedigree chum, you know, a pound can of pedigree chum and a pound of sausages, the pedigree chum was twice or three times the cost of the sausages. So I'm saying to people, of course you're not getting filled steak if you're buying a sausage. I don't know why you would think that. But of course, everybody got all excited. So we actually went on and we made some and they're fine. I love them. One of the things I miss here uh, is we don't get British sausages. <laughs> Everything has to have a spice and a honey glaze and a something or other. And sometimes I just kill for, a, for an English banger. Um, so yeah, so, so that happened. And those were fun. To, it was what I'd like to do is I'm very proud of this industry and I hate it when people slate us about we don't care and we pick up meat off the floor and we put all this rubbish in and fills. Of course, that's not who we are. When you're making a product, it has to be cost conscious and that thing. But the good manufacturers, everything is safe and fit to eat and we should always remember that. But you also get what you pay for. If you're only paying 99 pence for something, you're getting 99 pence worth of it. You're not getting a bill of state. So, so those were fun to do and then I've done a couple uh, here and actually I've just been reached out to buy a company uh, to do that um, do some good stuff with, with them so I, I like it, I think educating the consumers um, on key issues is vital um, and, and, and my current thing that I'm pushing a lot um, is food waste we throw out way too much food and consumers are throwing out food from their fridges when it's actually quite safe if we had educated people more effectively and certainly when people are having to use food banks and stuff it's absolutely disgraceful uh, that, that we are working in the first world countries. I say it's not just the UK. We have them here um, where people don't know where the next meal is coming from. It, it kills me to know that. And and I want to make sure that I want to do some more education on when food is safe to eat, how not to waste one. So um, I will continue to push that. So watch the space more for some more of that. But it was fun to do. Um, and again, you know, it's about, about someone being practical. You know, I'm not going to tell you not to 
you know, this this notion that I opened my fridge and had a yogurt that was fine at midnight last night, and then at one minute past midnight, all of a sudden it's not fit. That's just nonsense. We just need to educate effectively. But again, that's that combination of the academic science component of education and the practical hands-on. Because I can tell you when we do shelf life, uh, when we manufacture, we test that shelf life way beyond the stated amount. So there's probably a little bit of flexibility in that, but we educate. So it's, yeah, we, we shouldn't have um, people going hungry, kids going to school hungry. Not acceptable. I'm actually getting angry um, as I think about it. Um, and, and food insecurity should never happen in first world countries. So I want to do more of that. And, and, and I wish everyone listening um, to please um, have that front and centre as, as you push forward. Fun to do, Gordon. You came out with the phrase fun to do. And everything you yeah. do, it's always fun to do. So my question is, you were having such a good time in the UK. Why did you jump across the pond to Canada? Yeah, I'm not going to be allowed back in the UK. Derek, you should have you should have given me a little bit more warning on some of these. So why we actually jumped across the pond, okay, um, is because we could. Uh, myself and my husband, we are lucky. We have skills that um, are very transferable. That was the first thing, and that comes back to taking your chances growing your experience, enjoying your education, you know, getting your bachelor's and your master's and so on, because they all they are absolutely a, an important part of that. But there was just a time where we thought we fancy trying somewhere else. Um, and so Canada won out very, well, actually not very simply, because uh, it's a fantastic place. Um, neither neither of us speak a second language, so it has to be somewhere where English is, is the common language. Australia is probably just too far away um, for because of family and other things. And then you're looking at USA and Canada. And then once that's your choice, as much as I love the USA, um, I don't know that I would want to live there all the time. Um, I, I, I don't know if you're seeing, you know, I was watching news last, last night and there was an active shooter situation just broadcast. I watched the US news and, you know, and, the, and there's an extra of the guy, they know, they can see him. And, and I think so far 16, 18 people killed 60 odd and uh, uh, injured. So, so I don't particularly like that so so canada was the was the choice and being from the uk it helped that we could apply for residence but we've pushed it on um we are now canadian citizens as well so so canada brought us here uh we, we came to canada um just because it was time and 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 then i will not get overly political but what was happening in the uk at that time uh didn't please me and and i i thought we're again we're lucky that we we have the option to look elsewhere so yeah, it it was just a again a moment in time, and 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 taking your chances. So so we're here and loving it. Canadian citizen, you know, got the so you're right to the Maple Leaf. Um, and and, and very happy being here. Still hugely and fiercely proud of my Scottish heritage, of course. I mean, who's not to be when when all the greatest inventions have come from Scotland? Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's fantastic. And again, I would encourage anyone to take the chances if you can. And what I would say is a lot of those chances might come when you're younger and earlier in your career because you don't have necessarily the same commitment. So yeah, just be just be open to open to change and open to to, to, to adaptability. I could not agree more. And I'm gonna bring in one of your other mantras, which we discussed uh, last week. Seeing beyond where you see yourself. Absolutely. So this is this is important because I talked a little bit about um, earlier on when you when you gave me that very glowing introduction, and I I sometimes I hear this and and I I, I wonder who they're talking about. 
and, that, and you do. And I just think it's natural. There's, there's two groups of people. There's those that are the Dunning-Kruger um, you know, group, God forbid, and there's those that probably think, yeah, I don't know who that is and I don't feel that I'm worthy to be in that group. And, and, and I still get, I'm 61, and I still, when I, when I go to a conference or I'm standing beside people that I, that I admire and I still admire, I think, how am I even in the same room as these people? So, so it, that's still, that still um, resonates. Um, but so the whole see, see more than, allow, and allowing you to be seen. And um, this has happened in my career where I thought that I might want to do something or I thought I have a skill set and some abilities, but other people have seen stuff in me that I hadn't seen in myself. Um, and, and I will go back all the way to my first ever job at Coca-Cola Schweppes. I actually missed an opportunity there to work in international quality assurance. There was a job came up that um, I I, ha I was probably one of the people that might have got that job. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want it because that wasn't where I saw myself. I thought I was more of a scientist, more R&D, that type of thing. And yet, as it turns out, and here I am working internationally um, and, and leading some companies in quality assurance. And and this was, you go back to the, the 90s, um, you know, and someone else had seen that in me. So I think you need to, you need to allow yourself to accept that other people may see more of you than you see in yourself um and and perhaps they actually they understand more than you are willing to give them credit for because we all think we know ourselves and, and i don't think we do i think other people are much better at seeing us and that's about for two reasons because sometimes we don't feel worthy enough of something um, and, and sometimes it takes other people and that's not false modesty that's just a, a fact of, of a lot of human nature um so allow, allow you, you allow yourself to shine and let other people see your light and they will help you um they will help you grow brighter i was out at a company yesterday gordon um a, a company yesterday and i was on the same line talking to them about you know, if if you don't make that promotion or you feel as though that you don't always fit in with different departments in an organization. And what I was trying to get to them, and I think the penny finally dropped, the person you are isn't always the person you communicate. And it's having that time to reflect. Now, following on from there, you mentioned skill set. And with this rich tapestry of global experience, what's your ticket your special ticket on spotting talent. Uh, yeah, that's that's another great question. So I when when I interview, um, first of all, it depends on the role, of course. Um, but if I'm interviewing for a technician, technical job, an entry level job in in one of my departments or so on, then I'm already. Uh, so let me just tell this. Okay, if I invite you, if any manufacturer, if any if any employer invites you for an interview. Okay, um, you are in the frame for that job. That's the first thing. You need to know we're not wasting our time. We don't have a ton of time. So you're not, you should be going there with the attitude is, this is my opportunity to show them why they made a good decision inviting me for this interview. That, that's the first thing. Okay, so you're not invited because you're not in the running for the job. You're invited because you are certainly featuring on their radar. So that's the first thing. 
Um, I think talent are people that have obviously um, gone to a little bit of trouble to learn a little bit about the company. If you know who's interviewing you, um, find out about them. You know, go on LinkedIn and Facebook and whatever it is and see what you can find out about those those individuals and, and you can see what, you know, what's important to them. Um, but I like, in terms of spotting talent, I, I just think it's people who are um, comfortable in that situation. And I know that seems strange when you're being interviewed, but just have a have those open discussions. So when when you're asked, and and, and again, they're getting better. Um, when they're asked, when you're asked to interview some of these ridiculous questions, like where do you see yourself in five years' time, or all of that kind of stuff, nobody knows that. Yeah, that's that's one of these things where people, you know, uh, are you supposed to say, oh, I want your job? And it's just nonsense. Okay? I think what you do is you be honest. You say, I don't know what five years look like because I'm still developing all of my skills and I it may transpire with your guidance. That I'm very good in lab methodology or with your guidance, I'm very good in production and working with operators. So actually, the answer is I don't know exactly where I'm going. But I'm I'm definitely in the right arena. I'm working through it, and I like that. Um, but just be relaxed and be comfortable, um, as opposed to, you know, as opposed to worrying. Uh, don't lie, of course. That's the other thing. People will say, "Oh well, just see, you can do stuff," um, you know. And, and there's all these ridiculous things you see on LinkedIn. Attributes to people. I'm sure they never said that. Um, you know, well, just say yes to everything. I can do everything, and they get no, you can't. Okay, and working with food industry, you will kill people. So stop that, okay? Um, that me being, that's that's what my husband says. Sometimes you tell people off. That was probably as I, I hate that, as I said it. Um, so no, but be honest about that's not an area I have a lot of expertise in, but I like it and I'd love to learn more. So so just be open. I I, I just think it's most people. Again, I've said this. Most people have talent. Um, every, sorry, everyone has talent. It's just making sure that your talents are being used in the right area and also be adaptable when when you apply and I interview for a role. I may have something else in mind longer term. Um and, and so and also don't be disappointed because I've done that. I've I've interviewed people for a role they were not suitable for and they didn't get the job. But a couple of months later I knew something was coming up and I actually reached back out to them and it was not a particularly senior role. So it's not like you only get reached out to for vice president and, and director level roles. I got our HR people to reach back out to this young lady to say, you interviewed for this job a couple of months ago. If you're still looking, we actually have something that we always thought was much more within your wheelhouse. So, yeah, don't close any doors um, and, and just be yourself because because that's how I want to employ. And, and, and what will happen is if you put up um, the, wrong, the wrong look or the wrong, uh, what's the word? The wrong version of yourself you can't keep that up and what will happen is all the three six months to your probationary period that facade will fail and you will fail so now just be yourself talent and and recognize that you may not necessarily have the talent for this role but that does not mean you don't have talent um so please no one should be also um, upset that they don't get a job okay, because it's not necessarily um that you, you you're not talented it's just that for this moment in time this is not for you but as I say, and I've done that more than one occasion, I've actually, and I've re-employed people into different roles. People have worked with me, they've left to go on to 
other things that were right for them. And then I had a more senior opportunity and they've reached back out and said, Gordon, um, you know, I feel I'm now ready for a supervisory role. Uh, would I be considered? And absolutely. So, yeah, so don't close any doors as well. So just be, just be your, I know it's all cliche, but just be your authentic you and we will like you for who you are. And if, and if we don't, you know, well, that's a reflection on them, not you. So, so don't ever worry about that either. I, I think growing up and particularly, and not, not to make a political thing about it, uh, growing up as a gay man and in the 80s with all the age, all the stuff that went on around there, um, sometimes it was hard being your authentic self. Um, I, I very quickly got over that and I think people get the best of me because I am I am me. So and I would think that would be excellent talent. Just be yourself and, and we will find you. What I do like is the fact that earlier on in our conversations today, you mentioned you have to be the age of the radio show that you listen to. And what you've just mentioned there about being honest, being yourself. And I think the great, two great analogies is what we have currently, or you may be familiar with them, are the Big Brother show and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So you've got these <laughs> celebs going in, day one, trying to behave as a person, which they're not. Day, day two, you start to see the real, the real person. And then... All I can say with those individuals, the wake up with the screaming memes every more, every morning when it doesn't come right. Um, I'm I'm coming up to the last question, and you know, um, I found our conversations as always very in- intriguing. What's the next chapter, Gordon? So you mentioned one of my one of my mentions, never say never because you don't know. So the answer is I don't know. Um, so let's go back three four months ago, and and actually on my resume. I um, I decided it was time um, to probably not work a little less, um, do more of the stuff I like doing and so on. So at the end of June, I left my VP uh, job, my vice president job at Trophy Foods. And I was very, again, very lucky. I managed to take a couple of months of not doing much. Um, but I actually found out I missed working. I know that sounds absolutely pathetic and you've got no like but i love what i do derek and i think that's a big that you know we talk about what's next but finding something you like what you do now not this nonsense um again these things you see on facebook or oh, if you get a job you love you'll never work a day in your life that's nonsense of course you'll work um and and money and all of those things that go with it are important um but what's next i still so i still want to do more work with um the the future the, the people um, on these programs, uh, the, the younger generation, I feel I can share my knowledge and, and hopefully people can learn from my mistakes. I also think that's a that's a lesson. You should always learn learn from your own mistakes, of course, but learn from other people's mistakes if you can. Um, if someone's already made that mistake, then you're not going to, you know, uh, it's like growing up. And again, this probably doesn't mean, mean a lot to, to many of the people listening, but the TV shows when we were younger, um, you know, quicksand seemed to be a big thing. And I always thought, you know, well, you've just seen someone walk across the screen and falling quicksand and then you're following. Uh, no. So learn learn from other people's mistakes. It's also good as well as learn from your own. And again, never say never. So what I'd like to do is I would like to continue to work with companies where my role is, and this is what I'm doing with some, some companies in Canada, my role is to help them develop world-class uh, food safety and quality teams and help the talent that they have 
identify what a pathway looks like for those individuals. So that's exciting for me. And then I still do like working with people who are new to the industry and new to study. Um, so I would, I guess, it, and I'm not saying I don't have time and who knows, but one of the things you never know, maybe I'll be applying to be a PhD candidate at your university, um, get my PhD and then maybe I can, maybe a university might then think, well, now you can come and teach. So I have no idea, but what's next is I'm going to continue to love what I do. One of the phrases I like hearing as is um, playfully professional. And then I, I think that that's important to me. I think if I'm, I am professional and, 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 I, and I'm glad you mentioned at the start, and I have been very lucky and had some very good jobs um, and I will continue to get them, I hope. But I also want to be the kind of person that people can relate to and like working with and, and trust me to help us all. I, what, what's next is I will continue to be playfully professional and wherever that is and if people want me, um, I'd be delighted to continue that. But I, I would like to continue to do more uh, in the education arena because I, I do feel I'm far from over um, and I do feel that I've made lots of mistakes I can share. Um, and hopefully we'll prevent people making them themselves. So so who knows what, what's next? But I guess what's not next is retiring. Uh, let me just qualify that unless I win the lottery. And even then, I will probably just work for free. Um, I would work with some nice companies. Um, yeah. And then I will continue to join my my, my life. And it's, it's work. Um, people talk about work-life balance or work-life life integration. Um, I, I'm off to Australia um, next week. And I will be judging dog shows because I show, I told you I used to show and judge dogs and I still do. Um, so I'm going to continue to enjoy the mix of, of everything um, that I can do. And you can only see my head and shoulders on this. Um, I probably am way, well, probably I'm way too heavy. But for those that don't would know, I also am a qualified Scottish country dance teacher and I will continue to enjoy that. So yeah, so get, just do what you love and, 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 and if work is part of that, and my, my work is part of that, I love what I do, um, then who, who knows? I don't know what's next. That's the, the beauty. I didn't know, you know, that I was going to be having this chat and being asked these questions, and, and I've, I've loved it. Hopefully the people who listen to this podcast will think, yeah, well, we can do that. You know, he's, not, he's not any different from the rest of us, and, and he took his chances, and, and, and I can see that. And actually, very quickly, um, I got reached out to here about a year ago a young man now in Canada working for an organization sent me a message on LinkedIn said, you may not remember me, but at UIC, you came to UIC, I actually went back to visit and I did a I did a guest lecture. But he said, the way you talked about auditing and all of that, but long story short, and the ability to move, he ended up in Canada himself. So you know, who knows what, what, what's next? I, I think that's the beauty, to be honest. Like, you, you don't know what's around the corner and and, and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to continue on that journey. And, and, and hopefully anyone who's listened to this podcast will, will be those people and just enjoy it. So, yeah. And, and it's not always, you know, it's not always roses around the door. I understand that there are days where you are tired and it gets you down. Um, but hopefully you will get through them. You will get through my promise you. Um, and, and just, you know, be, enjoy what you do and, and be the best you can be, whatever that looks like. Gordon? Roses round the the door, um, a, a poignant point to leave to, to say goodbye. You've certainly left your presence within the University of Sunderland, and I'm sure the listeners are very 
enjoyed, very much enjoyed the sound bites and the informed commentary that you've provided today. What I can in return, I can't send you sausages, although I may if I come over in person. But what we can send you is a University of Sunderland hoodie. So I'll be in touch. But what we do require is a selfie. And if you return that photograph, you go on the wall of fame. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. And actually, I, I don't know if your listeners know, but I, a previous guest was my, my better half. So we, we actually said, because um, I took that photograph that you have on the wall um, and we said we would do that and maybe we actually will um, do one together. And and, um, and and then there may be a special guest appearance. So I'll leave that there as well. Uh, but no, Derek, as always, and we've we've only probably been connected for a couple of years now as as professional colleagues. Um, I, I know we had a mutual friend, and I think you said to him, find someone that can talk even more than people from the northeast. Uh, so, so I think John John said, oh, I know this guy doesn't stop. So it, it's it's been a pleasure as always, and con- and continue to keep up the great work at, at the university and keep producing the type of graduates that we in in all sectors of the industry need. I think you're doing amazing work and these kind of things only make it better. So congratulations to everyone. Uh, anyone who's listening, I wish you much success um, in, in your studies and in your future career. And I will say, um, if you go onto LinkedIn and you're looking to expand your network, um, please invite me to connect. We, we may not have a ton of common in the moment, but going forward, you never know. Or I may actually be, people reach out to me and say, do you know someone? And I just share it on LinkedIn. So please also take options to network um, now. Don't wait till you're working full-time professionally. Hey, start working on your network now. But always a pleasure, Derek, and to Megan and to Deborah for making sure the technology worked. Um, thank you again. And now it's probably about 7 o'clock in the morning here. And now I get to go and do my job. So thank you again. I've loved it. Gordon, thank you very much. And I also want to thank Megan and Deb- Deborah and Lucy as well. Without their efforts and their try tests, retests, this would never have happened. So thank you very much, Gordon. Have a lovely day, and I'll be sending that hoodie over to you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.